It's two jerks, two jerks and one vote. Narine 14, round five, where the streets have no name. Tell a story backwards, no U2 references. Okay, let's get started. You never thought you'd have to write a song with some traffic sounds and a cameo from your mom, but it's two in a week and it better be strong or else you're gonna get eliminated. You never thought you'd have to write a song in 11-8 with the stupid random title you hate, but it's two in a week and it better be great or else you're gonna get eviscerated. Welcome to For round four, the chiptune no memory round, uh, vowel sounds won, uh, as I think was well-deserved. And here's an interesting tidbit. There's no immunity after round four. So vowel sounds has won two rounds so far, the very first round and then round four. And they have enjoyed zero immunities (laughs) (laughs) or winning two out of five. Which sucks. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pick your gotta pick your battles in neuron. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't know. You have to bring it each round at this point. So but yeah, awesome song. Very, very worthwhile that they won. The people who were eliminated were Frankie Bigface, Nick Soma, The Sunday Colors, and Faster Jackalope. Which is a shame. But all of those songs in that round were amazing. And I didn't think anybody deserved to go home for any of the songs that they submitted. Yeah, it was Nick Soma's best song, this this contest, I felt. It was really good. And I loved the Sunday Colors. I loved their lyrics. And even though I think I put them last, but I still loved that song. And that's the thing. It's like all these songs were great, great songs. And it was just too hard to rate them against each other. This round, I think I'm going to be a little bit more confident in my rankings, though. I think that I can reasonably say that some really pulled it out. And, you know, at least I feel good about the separation between kind of the mid-range and the bottom and the top. Have you done your rankings yet? Not yet. So this is pretty much a hot take from me. Although I did listen to the songs all day today, had them in repeat on my headphones. But I'm going to do that again for most of the day tomorrow. And then at the end of the day tomorrow, we have to submit our rankings. So I'll be thinking about it some more. And I'll also take into account the things we talk about here today, too. And I do think that we can influence each other a little bit for better or for worse. Like when you explain some things about the vowel sounds song to me that I did not catch initially, the next day I went back and I listened to it again and I took in more of it and they rose in my estimation because of it. So Yeah, no, I th- and I think that's perfectly valid. I think that if, if I'm misunderstanding, you know, the gist of the lyrics for anything like that and you clue me in, then I should be able to, you know, say, oh, okay, well, with that in consideration and after a couple more re-listens the next day, I should, I'm going to feel perfectly fine adjusting my rankings. So, yeah. You ready to launch into it? All right. So first, alphabetically, we've got Agony Sauce. I think the first thing we're going to have to talk about is all of the challenges and how they're aiming to hit all of the challenges this time around, as they always have. Yeah. My God. So at first I didn't hear any chip tunes and I thought they may have dropped the ball. And that's because the chip tune usage is pretty subtly. Like you hear it in the verses and I had to really listen for it. I didn't realize it was bloopy at first. Took me a sec to find it, but oh yeah, there it is. That is kind of a chip tunesy sound but it's really mixed in kind of low and nicely into the mix. And 
I wouldn't have known it was there had I not really listened for it. There's some great dynamics where it strips down to you just vocals at the end, which I think is really cool. Did you make out what the choral sample was? I I didn't recognize it, no, but I I thought it was used beautifully. Yeah, it sounds really good. I can't make out the lyrics, but I'm not sure that's important. I think it's used more for texture, but it sounds good. Yeah. What did you think about the fake-out ending? I was fine with it. I really, really enjoyed this whole song. So, uh, you know... The, the fake out ending didn't bug me. Did it bother you or were you okay with I it? I was a little bit confused by it. Like there was a fake out ending in No Memory as well. And I thought, oh, maybe they had just forgotten that they had already ended the song and that was part of the joke or something. They're doing it again. And I don't know. I think the song's better off without it. I think it lessens the impact of the ending, which I thought ended really nicely with just Glenn singing acapella. It was a really great ending. And then you awkwardly repeat it just sort of tarnished the ending a little bit i felt i was fine with it Mm. it's (laughs) It's just uh, it's just a weird thing i wonder if they're gonna do fake endings like that every time or just two songs (laughs) in a row and i guess i just don't understand it well quirky yeah yeah i i liked it i thought the storytelling in this song was really good the story works well from the end to the beginning it's got good drama like with that John character hanging himself after shutting down the factory at the behest of the fat cats. Good yeah. tie-in with the title. The song's about a town, you know, this town where streets have no name. Yeah. I was pretty happy with the storytelling. All in all, I was pretty happy with the song in general. Yeah, I think all of the cumulative challenges have really worked magic on this song. I think he pulled them all together in a way that elevated and improved the song quite a bit. Yeah, this is great, and uh, it kind of rolls along wonderfully. Like the lyrics and the the vocal delivery kind of reminded me of "That's Just the Way It Is" by Bruce Hornsby. And um, I'm not fond of that Bruce Hornsby number, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just talking about it in the way that it just kind of goes on and sort of rambles on. And and that that's kind of what the style reminded me of. Not again, not so much his vocals themselves, but just the cadence, I guess. Yeah. I thought the phrasing was interesting. Like at places I worried if there was going to be a stumble in the phrasing, but there never was. But the way that all of the words had to get jammed in there and all the places, it always worked out, but I was always worried it wouldn't. Yeah. And I liked the chip tune. I I actually, uh, I'll be honest. I, you know, listened to the song once and then realized, oh, wait, I don't remember when the chip tune came in. And then I went back to the beginning. And it's closer to the beginning anyway. And then You I can really hear it there, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that was a great job. And uh, again, I love that vocal sample. That is incorporated so well. And it is such an amazing kind of a swell to it. So loved that. Um, I can't say enough nice things about this song. Also, I've been humming his round four chip tune entry all week, too. Yeah, so, me too. Me too. It's yeah. really got lodged. And then, I guess last thing for me to mention is that he uh, submitted MP3 art with this one, too. So if you download this song, which everybody should do, then you can see his factory art. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Next up, let's talk about Berkeley Social Scene. this is a great vocal performance and a great chorus but the verse melody is really basic and uninteresting which is something i said about last week's entry from them too and kind of despite the better chorus melody you know even that i think is too repetitive in this song you know the lyrics are pretty cool i thought you know they're about the minotaur king minos the son of zeus in europa prayed to poseidon and this is all in the song 
uh, to send him a white bull as a sign of support. And the rest of that story is too gross to talk about uh, until the Minotaur is born and then sort of exiled or housed in the labyrinth and then eventually killed by Theseus. And the, the lyrics themselves are amazing. They're really, really, really cool. And like, Dude, I didn't tell you to impregnate the queen. <laughs> yeah. It's cool to have it told from the Minotaur's point of view, too. That was really, really great. But I just wish those melodies were better and not as repetitive. Yeah, I have some of the very same notes. The verse melody and rhythm just sort of wears on you due to the lack of change-ups. The bridge is a welcome relief. I I certainly like the melodies there. That was probably my favorite section. Mm -hmm. Some of the rhymes are a bit simplistic again, and I think I complained about this last time. You got shame, name, fame, blame, uh, place, face. But you'd probably be okay with those simpler rhymes, too, if they were kind of in a more sophisticated setting. You know, in a better melody, is my guess. Yeah, and maybe with a better rhythm, sort of a yeah. less less staccato or less choppy rhythm. Yeah, and with a clav and maybe some arpeggiators. Oh, yeah. And No, I'm kidding. Now we, let's just redo <laughs> this one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I dig the Rhodes piano. I thought it elevates the guitar sounds. I especially like it in the chorus. And, you know, I like the story of Theseus as well and the Minotaur. I think it's pretty cool. Although it's a... I don't want to say it's on the nose, but it's pretty literal. Like, if you could have maybe told the story without using the words sword, animal, bull, king, or queen, I think it might have been just a little bit more abstract and maybe a little bit better. I feel like this is so easy to get that even the new ugly boys are going to figure this one out. Yeah, but it's a bit of a road from where the streets have no name to the Minotaur. True. Yes. Yeah, the the labyrinth, obviously, the streets are not labeled. Yeah, but it's it's not, I mean, this is something that I wouldn't think of in a thousand years, you know, to their credit. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good use of the title. All right, let's move on to Grumpy Mike. When your mother became the queen, she wore a shining gown. This is one of the songs I sort of went down a wiki hole for. So there is the Catholic Rosary. You know, it's those prayer beads you see sometimes. There's a cross hanging on the end. Yeah. It's divided into five sections called Decades. Four of these sections are also further labeled Mysteries. And I think that's the notion behind the 5-8 rhythm that he uses. I think it's symbolic of the five Decades sections. And uh, one of these mysteries is known as the Glorious Mystery, which is told in the order of Resurrection, Ascension, Descent, Assumption, and Coronation. So Grumpy Mike, I think he tells them in opposite order, and reverse order, like he should. And he goes on a little bit about each piece. So obviously this is a very religious song. And the last couple lines of the song make it clear that It's sort of a prayer for someone who is trapped in purgatory. And in purgatory, apparently, there are not named streets. And the idea is, you know, the whole notion of finding your way home or finding your way through is to ascend to heaven from purgatory. And what I liked about this song is that, you know, even though I think the 5-8 rhythm was part of the mathematical calculation that he wanted to have happen in the song, like, I think he really liked the idea of tying the rhythm to the concept of the decades and to the rosary. But, like, the weird rhythm doesn't bug me. Like, I felt it was really smoothly done, and I kind of like counting it out. Uh, I thought the chorus melody was strong. I certainly dig the angelic vocals on the resurrection section, where I think it's a great touch and they're well done. 
And I think all of those angelic vocals are actually sung by Grumpy Mike, which I really appreciated. Uh, I think a change-up or two would help in this song. It's, you know, it's a lot of the same sort of sounds all the way through and the guitar tone and things like that and the singing. But, um, yeah, it's a good song. I, I did spend more time trying to figure out exactly what the method to his madness was in this song than I think I spent enjoying it. And that's that's on me, really. But maybe tomorrow I'll go back and just try to listen to it, you know, tonally divorced from any of the lyrical or, you know, ideas behind the song. Wow. I didn't do the rabbit holing that you did. I did not wiki it at all. I saw in the lyric sheet that there was some stuff going on that I wasn't getting. And I was like, okay, well let's just power on through. And uh, I tried to just infer it from what was going on, but I was like, okay, no, uh, yeah, you I have didn't to be, get it. And that's fine. You have to be pretty heavily Catholic to get this. Like I was raised Catholic. My mom is very Catholic. I've never seen my mom pray the rosary. I've seen my grandmother do it a couple times, but yeah, this is like deep Catholic lore. Most people are not going to get this stuff. Yeah. Well, then I'm I'm more impressed. I mean, the way he conceptually mapped it out is very impressive then. But just in the practical kind of this is a song and I either enjoy it or not, it I, I thought that there were problems with it. There was stuff that was also, you know, really neat in it. But that phrasing in the verses is super awkward. And there there's some neat stuff going on in the song, but it's it's still a bit of a mess. There are a few points where the bass is coming in like a half beat early, and I'm sure that's on purpose. The the what do we call it? The leading. It was just the bass, and I think just the fact that it was just the bass and not like the drums and the guitar and stuff like that going in on it too is it just made it sound bad. Yeah. Did you notice uh, the bass being loud? That was one of my notes yeah. too. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, but, uh, certainly like, don't mind it in the Max Bombass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff going on in this song, good vocal harmonies. And I like the little kind of synth bits that pop up every once in a while in the song. They're a good touch. But overall, the impression that I got was that this needs a ton of work before it's presentable. The phrasing and the cadence of the verses was a real problem. I, I didn't find anything about it catchy. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it at this point. You know, it just it just didn't appeal to me. Let me put it that way. And I think that maybe all of the impressive stuff that he injected this song with might have, you know, doomed it. Right. It's funny that I wrote weird rhythm doesn't detract in my notes because clearly <laughs> the weird rhythm detracts for you. Well, I mean, it, no, I don't, I don't think that it necessarily detracted, but I think that what he did with the vocal melody and the cadence of the vocals during that weird rhythm in the verses specifically was awkward and felt tripping over himself. Yeah, really. I think he mentioned it was hard to sing and it was hard to stay on pitch and on beat. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Max Bombast. We ventured out onto the earth that had been frozen stiff and after weeks inside the shelter where the two of us had hid the only sounds I just say one thing before we get started I, we might want to say the same thing no damn cat no that wasn't what i was gonna say <laughs> no damn cat no damn cradle oh that yes yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's uh that's what i was gonna say was where is my mind oh uh, yeah oh yeah yeah i thought yeah. that too right off the stop i wanted i wanted to go ah. <laughs> yeah yeah that and, and actually the first one that, that I came up with, which I which was wrong, but is not uh, completely unlike it was Caribou. <laughs> you know? Well, he has a very great high note sort of melody, falsetto that he leads in with. 
Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And that and that reminded me so much of Where Is My Mind. So, uh, and then, but then of course the I think the Caribou is more the, the base aspect of it. So it's kind of this weird mixture of that. I thought it was good, and that's just the intro, of course. Yeah. And you know, again, yeah, lyrically, I'm I'm also a huge Vonnegut fan. But kind of more on principle now than in practice uh, these days. You know, I recently read some of his later stuff, and I don't know, maybe it just didn't age so well or something. So I'm kind of scared to go back and reread Cat's Cradle now, like, you know, 35 years after I first read it as a kid. But, uh, you know, it was pretty mind blowing back then, though. Yeah, yeah. And I, I still like Breakfast of Champions. You know, I've I've read that uh, and reread it every few years, you know, for for decades, I guess. Yeah, Cat's Cradle is the only book that I've ever, like, I finished the last page and I just started over. Wow. I was like, I just want to read that again. Yeah. And this is a great reference to it. It's really, really done well. The lyrics are fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was very smart of him to just sort of pick the ending of Cat's Cradle and just sort of reverse chronologically tell the end of the story and not try to encapsulate the whole book because that would obviously be hard. Yeah, and, uh, the the song is great. And I think it may be not as strong his, as his round zero through three songs, but uh, it's still masterful and I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the music is haunting and it really goes well with the apocalyptic sort of end times that the story tells. So... Oh, did you notice at the end, like the chorus goes, our forefathers forsake us to die where the streets have no name, where there's no one left to read the signs hidden beneath the ice. And then at the very last version of that chorus, you know, he has this super high vocal where he sings nine. So it's ice nine Mm -hmm. at the end. Pretty cool. (laughs) All right. Next up, we've got Marisan. Still he kept going like a runaway train Took two in the gut at the police barricade Three miles long he left a trail of destruction If you done wrong, well you surely met your room When demons and villains had twisted this town The people went out and pulled the signs down Made a monster out of metal with the Set him to work where the streets have no name. So did you look at the MP3 for this one? Did you notice what the genre was set to? No. Porn groove. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's a custom genre. <laughs> um, this porn groove is very well produced. Uh, the first one of the first things I noticed is just a really great use of the stereo spectrum. And there's some cool musical interplay between the right side and the left side. And then there's a really nice widening of the stereo spectrum on the chorus. I thought the slide guitar sounds really good. And there's places where the slide guitar is used really quietly to just add some ambience. It's really nice. I like the reverb organ stabs. I think they also sound great. And this is such an easy thing, but I always love it when it happens. Like right ahead of one of the verses, the bass just slides in like a, you know, like a beat ahead of time, but it slides into the note that it wants to hit right at the top of the, at the verse. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds great. Just really, really great. You know, I, I am complaining about the vocals being sort of whispery quiet. And I mean, I think that's great for capturing your attention and making you listen carefully, but they're whispery like all the way through and I think they could have used some energy and at least in certain places mm-hmm. in terms of the story I thought it was a really cool story and it had some nice lines like there's that took two from the gut at the police barricade line which I think is great imagery and then right at the top you know he's falling face first into the dank murky river it's like a tragic story and I think it's an original story too which I also appreciate there was a lot I liked about this song but I think it's going to have a hard time competing with some of the better songs this round just because the lack of energy in the vocals makes it a little bit harder to get into. Honestly, I was fine with the whispering, and I, I kind of felt just like you did. You know, the tone of the music and the tone of the vocals in the beginning just draws you in immediately. And yeah, I wasn't sure if it uh, was to a specific story, if it was to an original, if this is his original sort of... Uh, little thing, then that's great. It's, it was done really, really well. 
the phrasing, the cadence of some of that stuff in the verses was, you know, I thought should have been reworked. You know, it was a little awkward, like a line or two could have been reworded in a way to make it fit the song a little bit better, make it sound a little bit more natural. But yeah, I also, I really like that slide guitar and I'm assuming that that's a resonator. I'm uh, not absolutely sure, but it has that kind of round tone to it. And um, yeah, I like it a lot. Good stuff. But also, you know, in a really kind of strong round where half of the people are going to be cut. I'm not sure how this is going to rank. All right. On to Rachel Lane. People talk to me, but I don't speak the language. Like the streets where I'm living, I do not have a name. Where the streets have no name, I'm anonymous. And I'll be safely out of remember the first time i heard this song it started out and i'm like "Uh oh <laughs> you know uh it's all right but it seems a little dark when the bass line and the hoppy chorus make it seem like it's going for a light-hearted song and i i don't know i mean like i was feeling like there should be more kind of higher pitched instruments or percussion in there like i wanted like castanets or these high bells or ting tings or beep beeps or something you know, just more on the high end. I thought the lyrics were really neat, a good take on the title. But overall, I prefer either a much darker tone or a much lighter tone. I thought that it would have been good to either have this fun kind of discrepancy between the happiness of the music and, or the poppiness and the hoppiness of the music and this weird paranoid kind of persecuted storyline or just going all in on the weird paranoid persecution and make it sound a little bit more panicked and dark the way that it was i thought that it was a strange choice oh and uh shout out to the mp3 art she also did the mp3 art and that's really cool so download yeah it's like her silhouette it's cool yeah 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 i guess it's it's hard to have a happy song about faking your own death i guess well i think you know looking ahead i'm gonna give a spoiler here to the inflatable vegetables but you know, inflatable vegetables kind of did the opposite. They did this super kind of dark and aggressive song, and it's all about having a lovely day, <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> so I think, like, if, if she did the opposite, that would have been cool. If it was a fun and happy and hoppy song, but it's all about her trying to erase her life because somebody's out to kill her, you know, it's, which is dark subject matter. But if you tell it in a lighthearted thing, it might be a nice uh, little dichotomy there. Yeah. I like the chiptunes sound. Like, I feel like last song, it sounded like the chiptunes really didn't belong there. But in this song, I thought the chiptunes sounded like they did belong. And this was meant to be a chiptune song the entire time. So I thought it was natural. I I liked that. I just noticed some kind of interesting things about the arrangement. So the verses are really small. They're just like two lines, which is interesting. There's lots of chorus in the song. It leads with the chorus. It ends with the chorus. The bridge, I think, is twice as long as the verse. So it's just kind of interesting. And they managed to tell the story in relatively few lines. The story such that it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a super detailed story, but I don't think it really needs to be. You can kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. And there's a lot of it told in the chorus, which you hear repeatedly. So I just thought that was an interesting thing from an arrangement perspective. that I thought it worked. Yeah. I would not have thought to do that. I always think, okay, so, you know, the chorus needs to be X bars. The verse needs to be Y bars. Like, I wouldn't think of having them be so different. Yeah. I also, there was this weird touch where she sings this line, and this happens a couple times during the song. It's like, push the car off the cliff, and I saw it soaring. And then you hear, soaring. But the soaring is, like, panned off, and it's kind of muted, and it has this warbly underwater quality to it that I think sounds pretty cool. 
pretty affected. And they use that uh, for a couple of these, you know, call and response type things, which I thought was a really neat effect. And I noticed it every time it happened. And I think the the highlight of the song for me is the vocal harmonies on the word behind. And just the way she sings them is is just pretty great. She's such a great singer. And those those beautiful harmonies are, I think, are my favorite part of the song. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Rain Watt. Last week, it was a hard one understatement. And I flew back as fast as they let me. And I feel bad. That's all that I can do. But at least I made it. I can live on no-name streets or live in cardboard houses Cause what I wanna do is have a home with you On a mountain or deep underwater Cause what I wanna do is have a home with you This song was a good one, understatement. Yeah. (laughs) I love that repeated understatement motif at the start of every verse it's just hooky and cool and familiar and every time it, it happens you're like oh cool you know it's just something for you to latch on to it's really great there's also that melisma on you at the end of the chorus super catchy so sing along so good rain just knows how to bring the catchiness and the the hookiness and the sing-along parts i thought the story was a little thin I mean, it also leaves a lot to the imagination, but the theme is great. That whole notion of, you know, a year ago it was really challenging and I wanted to move in with this person. And then you know, a month ago, I it was, you know, more of the move in story. And then a week ago, I was more moved in. There's these boxes that have been there for six weeks. And, you know, and then I'm not sure what happened at the very start or, or at the end of the story. It was more like maybe they had a fight and then the protagonist went somewhere and then flew back after they made up. Anyway, it was pretty vague, and you can probably add your own interpretations to what it means. There's certainly a lot of songs I love that give you lots of vague things to kind of build into your own narrative. So yeah, I gotta think about what I think about that, if that's gonna work for me, or if I feel like it's maybe a little thin on story. But, uh, oh, this song certainly is catchy, and it certainly, like, I look forward to it every time it came on as... I pretty much have on every Rain Watt song. I might have misread the lyrics now that I'm thinking about it and looking them over again. I thought that it was sort of a tale of people kind of deciding to move in with each other and then it getting progressively kind of more difficult. And then uh, I just assumed that at the end that they were pretty much broken up. And I guess maybe that maybe it's the um, the second line that got me into that, you know, the last year was a weird one. Last month was a long one. And last week was a hard one. Uh, I'm t- doing these backwards yeah. uh, you know, to try and get the, the order right. But yeah, so I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I misunderstood it, but I so thought that, that it was. Yeah. So that line about she flew back as fast as she could, like maybe yeah, she back flew back home. Back, yeah. yeah. yeah that's I thought it meant back to that person, but yeah, that well, makes that, more sense. Yeah, I, I'm not absolutely sure, but somehow, somehow I'd kind of gotten that. It's it's so weird trying to listen to a song forward and interpret it backwards, and the, you know because that's what the challenge was. Now, who came up so, with this dumb challenge? Oh, so assholes! But for the song itself, I thought the guitar sounds a little out of tune, or maybe it's the effects. You know, sometimes the chorus setting can kind of do that. Like I remember in an earlier podcast for Spin Tunes. You were complaining about Glenn Raphael's guitar tone, that it sounded all warbly and stuff like that. And then going back and listening to it again after publishing that podcast, I was like, oh, that that wasn't an out-of-tune note or anything like that. That was the chorus effect that he put on his guitar. And it made it sound warbly. And sometimes, you know, a chorus can be wonderful and beautiful, but sometimes it can make it sound a little off and a little out of tune. Probably just my ears. Yeah, well, you know, Uh, you're absolutely right. Like, the trick to making a chorus when you have just the very same, when you're just doubling a track, is you detune one of the chorus tracks slightly to make them not sound exactly the same or just double the volume, so... And here also, the vocals, I thought, are not exactly as strong as her previous entries, but still wonderful. 
the lyrics are great, as we've already discussed. And the thing about it with me thinking that it was, you know, last year things were great, last month things were getting worse, and last week was a disaster sort of a thing. Reading it in the proper chronological order, it's sad, but if told in reverse order, you know, it kind of tricks you into thinking that it's a bit of a happy ending. <laughs> At least it did so for me, <laughs> right, so it right. kind of worked. So listening to it, I'm happy, but then reading it and reading it backwards like we're supposed to interpret it, it's not so clear. So, Interesting. I'm going to have yeah. to go back and listen again, obviously. I'm not I sure. I don't think I got it right. I'm not sure there's I, a right to get either. Yeah. I'm not sure it's going to get less confusing with, with more <laughs> listens, but it doesn't have to be because it's a wonderful song, you know? And again, like with that, with those uh, criticisms I had, if I'm comparing this song to the rest of her portfolio, you know, this is mid range in a group of amazing songs, but you know, compared to the other songs in this round, it's still really, really wonderful and a very, very strong competitor. Very, very happy with this song. And yeah, I'm going to listen to it a lot. Okay, the last competitor is Vowel Sounds. Great verses, wonderful lyrics. There are lines that gave me goosebumps while listening. You know, I, I do have uh, one or two criticisms, though, that wind the black ribbon back to where the street eats have no name was a little bit awkward phrasing, and it showed up in all of the choruses. So if it was me, I'd force us to work that part over a little bit to make it sound a little bit more natural. And the other thing is maybe that backwards recording stuff was better in concept than in practice. I get it. I get how it fits into the whole thing. I get how it fits into the lyrics, the theme and everything like that. But when you're actually listening to it, maybe it doesn't add as much as it should. You know, as a component to a song that you're listening to and maybe not taking as a concept, but maybe just taking as something that you want to uh, have pleasant and interesting in your ears. Eh. It, I would have been fine if they'd left that out. It's fine with it in, but I, I think it was, yeah, again, probably better in concept than in practice. I remember you were mad when they made us do it in Narine. You thought it pretty much ruined everybody's songs. I think it did, yeah. I think that some Narines, the challenge messes up any otherwise good song, you know, because they, they'll have something like put a terrible sound in there of some sort or another. You know, uh, put an obvious flaw, uh, put a siren in there, put, you know, do something. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, if you're going to make a great song and then you have to ruin it by doing this other thing, then blah. Anyhow, th that was uh, what you might call in the previous round an unforced error. You know, they didn't have to do that and they did it and it's fine, I guess, but I could have done without it. Yeah. But yeah, and all in all, just still amazing work. Uh, I love that every chorus is different. And I'm worried about the Ouija-verse now. I mean, what a... <laughs> the Ouija-verse got dark, dude. Yeah, and what a goddamn cliffhanger, right? So, I love this song. Don't get me wrong. I, I feel like I've spent this whole critique talking smack about it, but it's wonderful. And the lyrics are great. And it fits into the Ouija-verse, obviously, really well. And the imagery and stuff is great. Did you listen to those samples I sent you? The reverse samples? I did. The short one was, I think... Uh, Turn back. I, I think it was a, a clip from the song, and just or a clip from the vocal aspects of the song. Yeah, like, so it's a reverse of the phrase that precedes it. So the line yeah. is something, something, turn back time, and yeah. then it's turn back time reversed. Yeah. So and I like think a, that that works fine. Turn back time. It makes the point that, oh, yeah, we have this reverse situation, this backwards situation. 
which is also, you know, reinforced by the palindrome and the love slash evil. So I think it works in that context and it's not too heinous. I think, yeah, adding the whole like satanic reversal section, while it's cute and I enjoyed reversing it and learning the secret message, which, you know, pretty much implores you to vote for our vowel sounds. Hi, this is Al with your cerebral message for today. This song is about Milton Keynes, but a streeter number not named. Please vote for vowel sounds in your eye 14. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cute, but yeah, I would have cut it as well. The things I loved about this song... I love how it picks off right where the last song ends with them having coffee and looking at each other and not saying anything. Mm-hmm. I love Vom's electric guitar sounds in this song so much. They're so good and so chimey. That reverb that is on his electric guitar just sounds so great. And I think he'd always got a whammy bar, which he is using just really nicely too. And then there's this gorgeous slide that happens right in the opening riff. That's just so well done. It's just so good. That guitar sounds so great matched with the synth. Some of the synth sounds, it just really works for me. I also love Vom's backing vocals, which I think are wonderful in the chorus. I have to say, I really dig all of the callbacks. So the This Bird Has Flown is a callback from uh, Pump the Brakes. And then there's this line, When You Kissed Me Again in the Bar Yesterday... It felt like coming back home, and then you hear this whispered, yes, yes, which is totally a callback to the original Ouija song where they did that. The phrase, light is a feather, is also a callback to the original Ouija song. Like, I love all that stuff. I love, like, I love... uh, Uncrush the Butterfly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. which is from the No Memory. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know me, I love, like, wiki-holing into things and learning about things and trying to find... Like all of the meanings and all of the callbacks, and this just hits all of my buttons. But the especially cool thing about it is they made all of this stuff up yeah. <laughs> that you know yeah. I'm really digging into, and I, I think that's great. Yeah, this is better than Nurine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I want the album. Like, I will, I will buy the album on Bandcamp when they turn Absolutely. the whole Ouijaverse into a thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, next up, we've got Faster Jackalope, who is the first of the shadows. I like the slide guitar sound on this. I think they sound good and raunchy and kind of dirty in a rock and roll context. I like the verse melody. I, I like that Glennie is singing with, you know, some passion and some character. Like on the verses, they start like six feet of dirt and a resting heart or 10 pounds of dust and a broken heart. And I think Glennie sells it really well. It's got good energy. Sometimes I feel like Glennie's vocals are a little bit... Um, he doesn't sing them with as much gusto and as, I don't know, as much oomph as I would like. They're, they're just always a little bit tentative. So it's nice to hear him go for that. I appreciate that. I also love the harmonized guitar attack at the end of the song. You know, that sort of thin Lizzy dual guitar sound, which I have to admit I'm a big fan of. So those are my favorite parts of this Faster Jackalope song. Yeah, I like the uh, that initial kind of bluesy groove uh, instrumental intro part. And I kind of wish that uh, it continued in that vein instead of going into the, the kind of more rockin' verses. But, uh, but it's still good. Yeah, uh, that bass solo is weird and a little sloppy, but I was glad to hear it. I like the guitar solo a lot too, but I think that the music behind it should have been a little more kind of staccato. Like the bass line seems to go like a bop, bop, bop. And, but the drums are just going on as normal, so it's like it doesn't it doesn't really stick those notes. It doesn't it doesn't really accentuate those individual notes, and you know which I think would have provided a little bit more interesting kind of variation for your ears. 
but instead it's kind of you know just going through all the way and I don't know it, it, I guess it would have been better with those kind of dynamics I think uh, the song is fine but it didn't really stay with me great lyrics though so you know all in all great job okay lichen throat lying on the ground on a dreary grave too late to know that he forgave everything you did in years gone by no reason that you had to die old lady deadlock it's too late to avoid your miserable fate once you step through the graveyard gate your life was doomed to terminate out where the streets have no I like the guitar work, and it's really, really nicely understated. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that palm-muted guitar sound is not a sound that I expect from Lycanthroat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it was, But it worked really, really well for this song. The vocals, I thought, were a little warbly here and there. And I also thought that rhyming page with orphanage is not great. It's a very specific <laughs> ding, I know. But uh, but it, I, it, it just kind of stood out to me. I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, uh, the bridge is nice. I, I thought that was a cool addition. And um, is this Bleak House again? Yes. Do you know? Lady okay. Deadlock is a character from Bleak House, and she is sort of undone by a secret pregnancy and engagement that she had in her youth. She's like a high society character and spends a lot of time worrying that she'll be found out and has a lot of anxiety. And I think she is eventually found out and ruined, of course. Yeah, I assume that's all 19th century novels. Yep. Uh, 18th century novels, perhaps. Lyrics are pretty good. Yeah, the lyrics are good, as as is typical for Like and Throat, yeah. And I noticed this, ha- this has the classic lycanthrope drum sound, which means no snare, just like toms and kick. And uh, I like the synth outro. I thought that was kind of cool and new. But, you know, otherwise, this is classic lycanthrope. The vocal melody is the same amount of meandering as it always is. Yeah. Like, so not all of the songs were posted. Okay. So I'm missing a song. You know which one I am missing, right? Oh. I'm missing the inflatable vegetables vegetables, because it wasn't posted. To yeah. the uh, the Neurai page when I downloaded all of it. We hug goodbye at Menheim sunset. Time and truth atop the sculpture, grass and daisies, massive fountain. Wander to Parada Plaza. We eat kebabs bright red with pepper. Where's a park? I'm bored of concrete. Listen to this, she said. Rammstein is Deutschland, she said. Es ist nicht gut, dass der Menschlein sei. Es ist nicht gut, dass der Mensch allein sei. Strolling in the sunshine. Listening to Rammstein in the Where the streets have no name, where the streets have no name. Okay, did you hear it though? No, I haven't even heard it. I looked around for this too, so it, it makes sense that you wouldn't, you know, uh, just obviously notice it. But I looked around for it because I'd seen him post uh, the lyrics, you know, first thing. He was the first set of lyrics that went up. But then I think he didn't get posted on the Narine page because it wasn't turned in until Monday, so it was pretty late. But still, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't get posted on the Narine page. Yeah, so the thing is, though, so I read the lyrics uh, probably like on Friday. And of course, the music didn't go up until Monday. And I was really surprised at the tone of this one. Uh, you know, I, I read it and I liked the lyrics a lot. And I kind of had a, a vision in my mind as to exactly how inflatable vegetables would do it. Because he does have a, you know, a bit of a sound to him. Yeah, for sure. But instead, this is rock. Oh, man, I got to go find this. (laughs) It is. You know, I was expecting something different, by which I mean I was expecting a more typical inflatable vegetable sound. But I really like the little synth bits that he put in there. And I wish there were more synthesizer in there. But I like the juxtaposition here, like I'd mentioned before uh, with the Rachel Lane 
comments. It seems like a really nice, cute, and really pleasant scenario, but it's accompanied by this dark, heavy music, and I like that juxtaposition, you know? It's jarring, but I've always kind of enjoyed that. There's, like, So Lonely by the Police is this really super hyper song about somebody who's blue and lonely, (laughs) and it's, it's, it's just so, you know, it doesn't fit at all, and I love that, so... And I like it here. This I, I think it's done really well. You'll have to check it out. I will definitely have to check it out. Let's move on to the Sunday Colors, our final shadow. Have a rare burst of clarity, so I walk to the park. Most days I don't show my husk until long after dark. Mother's child approaches me while I'm sitting at the bench. He points at my skin and he asks the only question no one ever does. No one ever does. Let the wolves come tumbling out the back of the van. Sniffing out their traces on the desert plain Paper fortress rises maybe somewhere in Kansas Where the air is dust and the city streets have no name So I noticed right off that there's some really squeaky pick sounds or string scrapes that you initially hear they kind of detract initially, but when that second rhythm guitar comes in a little bit later, it adds quite a lot. And I think it sounds really good. I'm like so happy that he's doing multi-track recordings. And the three-part harmony on the chorus is really nice. Like it starts a little bit awkwardly, but then it settles in and it's really good. I like that a lot. This is the most epic Sunday Color song yet, so I think it's great for that. You know, and then there's this bit with the there's an a lead acoustic line that comes in that I think is maybe slightly out of tune, so he's got some things to work on, but overall this is sort of the most epic Sunday Color song yet, and I, I really liked it for that. I thought the ending stanzas were really good, like there's even more instruments that come in, and oh my god, is that percussion? Is there like some sort of timpani or something, some sort of drum at the four minute mark? Kind of blew me away a little bit. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear him even get more comfortable with, you know, recording in Audacity and doing multi-track recordings because he has an amazing, amazing ear for songwriting, writing great lyrics and strong melodies. He is going to be amazing. Yeah, like I was talking about with you before, I regret ranking Sunday Colors so low last time because his lyrics are so good. And not just his lyrics, but his melodies too. Yeah. And that should you know, push him up there more. But, you know, I'm not going to kick myself too hard over it because even if I ranked him as my top choice, he still would have been kicked out. I kind of did the math. So, you know, he still would have been eliminated no matter where I'd put him. But uh, I still feel like... uh, But again, I I feel that way about pretty much everybody in the bottom four. Uh, But anyhow, this song, though. This song is good, but it's not my favorite Sunday Colors song. The lyrics are fantastic. Uh, I don't know specifically what they're about though and i think that they are about something specific i just i'm just not putting it together do you know do you have any ideas i spent all of my wiki whole energy (laughs) on grumpy mike okay well because it seems also like a bit tragic ish but not really like there's some deformity or something maybe this person is going through yeah it seemed better at the end of the story like, you know, he was well-paid or something at the end, but, you know, he was surrounded by nurses and stuff. Yeah, and by the end, you mean the beginning. Yes. It's so yeah, hard to right. talk about these. <laughs> but, yeah, great melodies. Uh, as always, great lyrics. This was great. I was, I was really happy to hear it. I wish I knew what it was about, though. Maybe I'll go on the boards to see if, uh, if anything else was posted. But, yeah, lovely song. All right, we're wrapping up. Do you want to talk about the next round? Sure. Well, I mean, do we want to talk about rankings or anything? You haven't. Oh, yeah. We should. I haven't. Well, I have an idea of, I think, my top three. Is there six in your top three or is there three in your top three? (laughs) (laughs) I think there's there's only three in my top three. 
Okay. All right. What what are they? I think it's Max Bombast, Rain Watt, and Vowel Sounds. I put Agony Sauce, Rain Watt, and Vowel Sounds, and Max Bombast right underneath them. Oh yeah, I have Agony Sauce right underneath them. So we've just we've just switched them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, wow, okay, so maybe we are a voting block after all. <laughs> I didn't think we were, but great minds, eh? Yeah. Uh, 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 well, I, we um, definitely influence each other, too. Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, I'd figured out mine before we started this podcast, and I think you had two, right? Just the top three. I haven't yeah. figured out who's at the bottom. Yeah, and we hadn't talked about it in advance. So, Oh, uh, one quick note. So many of these songs started in a death. Uh, like Sunset Boulevard, there are a ton of these that kind of start off with something bleak and mm-hmm. or a person dying and then kind of working uh, your way to it backwards. Yeah, it's a bloodbath, uh, this challenge. People die in many songs. Yeah, at least six of these songs, and if you're including the uh, uh, the Shadows too, six of them include deaths at the very beginning, plus I think another one in the middle, and that would be the Agony Sauce one. right. So, so we got the yeah. Minotaur who's died. We got John from Agony Sauce. Yeah. Uh, Grumpy Mike Jesus dies, but, but yeah. you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, Max Bombast, everybody dies. Yeah. Uh, Marisan, there's a death in the first moment. Rachel Lane, no one dies. Except right. maybe the thing she witnessed could have been a death. We don't know. Yeah, but then that would be at the end of the song instead of the beginning. So right. that's, yeah. Oh, and then I also counted Lycanthrope because the first line is lying on the ground on a dreary grave. Oh, Lady Deadlock, it's too late. No reason that you had to die. Uh, I'm, I'm reading backwards. Yeah. So, yeah. Everybody so, dies. Yeah. Just the Sunday yeah. Colors and Rachel Lane, I think, are death free. Oh, wait. What about Faster Jackalope? Yeah, six feet of dirt and a resting heart. <laughs> but he's dead it's all this. death yeah so uh that's that's kind of an odd or or maybe easy place for everybody to start and build something back from it oh yeah and then uh somebody died in the middle of the vowel sounds instead yeah. of the end so it's the little bird the wife yeah this bird yeah. has flown yeah okay so now do we want to talk about the next challenge yeah let's do it the name of the song is you also you too it's you too and the challenge is contrafact, and I am glad that we are not competing in this one because I would not want to do this. <laughs> and that's some of the appeal of having it as one of the later ones because I think it's super challenging. It's going to be hard to do well. Yeah. It's going to be hard to pick what to do. Right. So one of the problems I have is that there are plenty of common chord progressions, right? You can play a one four five, or you can play the one five six four. It's the Pachelbel's Canon Axis of Awesome chord progression, or you can pick the doo wop progression. So you can pick all these progressions that are super common. But the thing is, is that the judges, I know, I am going to be listening for something familiar. I want to hear something familiar juxtaposed with a new melody. And so you can pick a one four five, but that's not going to be familiar. So you need to not only pick a chord progression that is you know known, you're going to also have to kind of make it sound like the thing where it came from. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're going to be doing their own lyrics and, yes, and a melody. new melody. So they can just steal anything from anywhere. They don't have to go with a common one. I mean, that's the thing. So that's going to yeah. be the, the lyrics and the melody can be the contrafact. The backing stuff doesn't have to be at all. This can be a pastiche challenge, except with the contrafact melody and lyrics. Uh, at least that's how I'm going to read it anyway. Right. That, I mean, that's, yeah, that's I mean, right, right? Some they people... can take anything from anywhere. Yeah, they can take anything from anywhere. Some people zeroed in on the kind of what I feel is the lamest way of satisfying the challenge, which is just picking a super common chord progression. I don't think that's going to get it done. Yeah. I think those people probably have already been eliminated. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So Not a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, don't take the easiest route. Just do whatever you want, man. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and again, I'm, I'm saying that as if it's an easy option. I, I, I have no idea what we would do if we were stuck with this. Uh I have no idea. Well, we'd probably pick Stairway to Heaven. Yes, obviously. And yeah, yeah. and we'd mix in the lyrics from Gilligan's Island. It would be epic. And oops, I did it again. 
and uh, we'd have a masterpiece. Maybe we'd have a medley where we did it from a bunch of different common songs with different melodies. As our sixth song, after all of the fatigue and everything sets in, I I doubt it. (laughs) We'd phone this fucker in. So, yeah. Yeah. We've never even made it this far. Who are we kidding? Oh, yeah. No. All right. But, yeah, so this, this sounds challenging, but I'm sure... Whoever the final four, it's going to be final four, right? Yeah. They're going to figure it out. Yeah, they'll have it. So it's supposed to get harder. It sounds harder. I think it is harder. And that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, U2 is kind of a crappy title, too. Yeah. Whoever came up with that sucks. Yeah. And it should have been U also. (laughs) No U2 references. Yeah, no U2 references. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, is that it? I think that's it okay good luck to everybody out there we hope that it's a eight-way tie so we don't have to eliminate everybody good luck everybody had great songs and uh looking forward to hearing what you do next round right and we're out